while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, this is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show, and I'm Marcello Rolando, your host. I'm very happy today to have as my guest the director of Food Chains. Now, Food Chains is a documentary about uh, migrant workers, people who are who who pick the food, who harvest the food that our families eat. The director of Food Chains is Sanjay Raul. Uh, he's become a political activist with his documentary for the Fair Food Program. A lot of this started in Immaculate, Florida, but we're going to let um, Sanjay get a word in. Sanjay, how are you today, and welcome to the show. Marcello, thank you very much. It's an honor to be back on your show. It's an honor to have you, too. I'm just reminded all over again of how this still is a struggle going on with human impact. I think that's the thing. It's one of your points, too. You, you When you talk about immigration, you're always quick to point out immigration is a human issue. It's not just a political issue, and it's an economic issue. First, I want to back up and let people know, the last time we talked, we were focusing on the abuses of migrant workers, what migrant workers face in Immokalee, Florida, while they're trying to harvest our food, while they're actually in the fields, and their living conditions, and the, the meager salaries, and and of course, the personal safety, especially of the women in general, and and as, as I recall, the last time we spoke, a major antagonist in Florida was Publix, the huge grocery food store. I lived in Florida for a number of years and, and of course, shopped at Publix. There's not much other place to shop in Florida. But since then, I think Whole Foods, which had not been a part of the Fair Food Program, did become a part. So starting from that sort of background is is that uh, where we are and now moving forward is that close well my, my, my film food chains was produced by eva longoria and narrated by forrest whitaker yes and as you mentioned it, it chronicles the struggle between a small group of tomato pickers called the coalition of immokalee workers from mm. southern florida against gigantic retailers which control the food supply chain um, these are the huge buyers of the tomatoes that they're picking. Yes. And those have ranged from Whole Foods and Walmart 
to McDonald's, Wendy's, and Publix, uh, the Florida chain. And what the coalition is asking for is for these large retailers to pay just a penny more per pound, which would in fact double their wages in the field, Mm -hmm. and to stop buying from farms where there are human rights violations. Yes. So out out of this campaign for fair food has spawned a program called the Fair Food Program, which the, the, the New York Times called you know, the premier agricultural employment program of its kind. Uh, President Bill Clinton said this was the most astonishing thing politically happening in the world today, mm. uh, that these workers could actually get the ears of these CEOs. But right now, there are two major holdouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy's is the only fast food chain which has avoided signing on to the fair food program, really at no cost to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Publix, the Florida supermarket giant, one of the largest stores in the world, again, concentrated in the southeast, yes. um, is, still, is still denying the effect that it has as a large buyer of tomatoes, mm-hmm. the effect that it has on creating the conditions of abuse, poverty, sexual harassment in the field. And they argue, they argue this point. They say, like, Wendy's in public will both say, we are not for sexual harassment. We're not for low wages, um, but it's not our responsibility. But the fact of the matter is these multi-billion dollar corporations have consolidated so much power and so much influence that what happens in the field is the direct result of them squeezing farmers, squeezing prices, Mm. and really not caring about certain issues. Of course, we know the organic movement has made large retailers care about pesticides. Mm-hmm. But right now, large, re- large retailers do not care about labor, um, in particular the ones that haven't signed on to the Fair Food Program, like Wendy's and Publix. Now, tell us a bit about the Fair Food Program. How does, how does that change and improve things for the migrant workers? One of the issues in farm labor has been that workers have not had a voice. Mm-hmm. With the exception of a few union-led movements like United Farm Workers, Picoon in the Northwest, Flock in the East, workers haven't been able to complain without fear of retribution. Meaning that if, if I was a worker and something bad happened to me and I complained, I'd get fired. Mm-hmm. I'm already earning sub-poverty wages. I have no savings. Perhaps I'm living in company housing with my family, so it, I have an incentive to, uh, to tolerate abuse. Mm. What the Fair Food Program has done, has, it's created a market incentive. It's created a reason for farms to comply with the Human Rights Code of Conduct. Of course, in this country, we have laws against sexual harassment, rape, modern-day slavery. Yes. But there's little to no enforcement of labor laws in the field. So the Fair Food Program has harnessed the power of these large buyers and has really forced these large buyers like supermarkets and fast food restaurants to make sure that they're buying from farms that have a clean human rights record. Yes. And, and, th- and that's created an incredible partnership between workers, farms, and, and retailers. And there's an organization called the Fair Food Standards Council, which was created in Florida to monitor the conditions of workers. Um, workers have a, a, an 800 number which they can call, mm-hmm. and within 48 hours um, after a call, their problems are resolved. 
Wow. What's happened? What's happened is that farms have tried to actively prevent problems. Uh-huh. If a problem arises, a serious one, a farm could be kicked out of a supply chain. Mm-hmm. And right now, there are 13 companies, multi-billion-dollar companies, that are part of this program. And so, if a farm gets kicked out, then you know they lose a ton of business. Yes. So these farm, these farms are incredibly proactive. They begun treating workers as human beings and we've seen Florida's tomato industry transform from one of the most exploitative in the country to easily the best workplace environment in agriculture in the world. Wow. And this all started with the Immokalee workers banding together. It started with your documentary. It started with, uh, I think, President Clinton, as you mentioned. And, and uh, President Bush and President Obama have uh, come in on the side of the Immokalee workers. And we should get some idea. We say the Immokalee workers, but we really are talking about nearly 6 million to 11 million workers who do the work that none of us would do. We're talking about farm labor, meat packers, uh, dairy workers, warehouse workers, as well as the uh, tomato harvesters in Florida. And we benefit from their labor, but we kind of had a deaf ear to how they are treated. And, and I'm glad to hear that some farmers, even if it's only for their economic benefit, at least they are trying to uh, respond to save their own bottom line. But what are these workers dealing with? I mean, in the way of their living conditions, we know that they're they're working hard. As I understand from the last show we did, um, many of them arrive um, in like school, makeshift school buses or something, and they sit and wait for the morning dew to get off the the food in the fields, and then they work until it's dark, and then back again. And the living conditions. What are the living conditions like when we that that have caused such concern? Well, that's a great question, Marshall. In, in in Florida, in the tomato industry, things have transformed. But like you mentioned, there's about two million farm workers in this country, the majority of whom are undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an additional three or four or five million people undocumented connected to the entire food system. Mm. Whether they're in fast food, meatpacking, dairy, if they work in the warehouses of supermarkets or distributors, our food system is based on very, very, very cheap labor. Mm. And, and that's really the only reason why food prices are so cheap. Uh, um, uh-huh. So, so when, we, when we look at immigration issues, most politicians are really looking at it on the level of individuals, individual people coming to this country and taking jobs. Whereas, if we look at it from an economic standpoint, the majority of undocumented workers work within the food system or close to the food system. Mm. And if you remove them from our country, our food system would be in a crisis. Yes. So that that was the first point. And you mentioned President Bush. Um, One of the things that President Bush was really, George W. Bush, was pushing for was comprehensive immigration reform. Yes. And the farm lobbies, worker lobbies, workers' rights groups had told his administration that first and foremost, they needed to reform agricultural immigration mm-hmm. reform um, or agricultural labor uh, laws and agricultural immigration issues. But his administration thought that because this was such an important issue, food um, and immigration, 
that they could convince everyone in Congress and the majority of the public to have comprehensive immigration reform all wrapped around this agricultural program. Uh-huh. And the farmers and farm worker lobbies, you know, re- really objected to that because they said we need to get this done first. Yes. Um, but he thought that he could do everything. And, of course, we, he failed. And then when Obama was elected president, the Republican Party, which had actually been championing labor reform in terms of immigration rights, mm-hmm. um, they their attitude became whatever Obama wants, we don't want. Yes. And so agricultural immigration reform was just thrown out the window. And it's a huge issue. You know, without these workers working under conditions that no American citizen that has a choice would, would, would work under, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we wouldn't have food on our table. Yes. People work very long hours. They work for very little money. It's incredibly hard work. But worse than all of that is the treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, in many, many, many places, farm workers are treated very, very poorly simply because bosses and and other management know that no one's going to complain. So in my film, Food Chains, which I should mention is available on Netflix, on iTunes, and Amazon, yes. um, we, we show the situation of Immokalee in 2012. Mm-hmm. where workers line up in a parking lot at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. Mm. They cram into buses. They drive sometimes hundreds of miles to fields. They wait in the buses until the tomatoes are dry, and they're not getting paid for any of the time. Mm. Then they go out and they work at a really manic pace under conditions where women are routinely harassed, men can be beaten. Um, but under the Fair Food Program now, that has changed entirely. Wonderful. If, for example, if, for example, there's a serious case of sexual violence um, or a case of modern-day slavery, farms are immediately kicked out of the tomato supply chain. Uh-huh. Um, and and, and that, that's a death sentence now for, yes. for these farms. Um, and so Florida, the tomato industry, has gone from being what the former assistant U.S. district attorney, Doug Malloy, said in 2007 was ground zero for modern-day slavery in America. They've gone from being ground zero for modern-day slavery to having no modern-day slavery, no forced labor. And sexual harassment, like the bad actors, are being weeded out. And again, it's like the White House, the United Nations, uh, Secretary Kerry, former Secretary of State Clinton, Mm -hmm. President Clinton, the New York Times have all lauded the Fair Food Program as the premier model for agricultural labor in this country. Well, it's it's difficult then to imagine why places like Publix and Wendy's are still holding out. And as I think I mentioned earlier, when we last spoke, uh, Whole Foods was not a part of the program, but they've since seen the wisdom of uh, uh, joining the Fair Food Program. And, and the, uh, the stores, the businesses uh, uh, get uh, uh, signs that say they are participating in the fair food program and we should all support them. So we should mention some of the good folks who are a part of uh, uh, the program uh, as well. But why, I'm, not, I'm still not understanding why Publix and Wendy's, what is their objection? Are the workers asking for too much? I mean, seriously. Um, What's the objection? Do you know? So I, 
I, I, I should add that that Whole Foods actually was one of the one of the first grocery stores, not yeah. the first company, but one of the first grocery stores uh-huh. to sign on to the Fair Food program. Great. Um, but Pub- Publix and Wendy's, they're, they're two different cases. Um, Wendy's, their CEO used to be president of Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell was the first company to sign on to the Fair Food program. Uh-huh. It, it didn't do so willingly. It did so because campuses around the country and students were mobilizing yes. to kick Taco Bell off of campuses. Um, so the president of Taco Bell in the early 2000s is now the CEO of Wendy's, and I'm sure there's, a, there's some personal pride and ah. not and not quote-unquote losing to farm workers again. But Wendy's has taken the extra step of stopping purchases from Florida entirely and going to Mexico. Now, the situation for workers in Mexico is infinitely worse than in the United States. Mm-hmm. But but just last month, the Senate, the Congress, and President Obama passed something called the Trade Facilitation and Trade Embargo Act, yes. which basically closed an 80-year loophole that allowed U.S. retailers to buy goods from overseas that were manufactured or picked by children or by people people under forced labor conditions. Uh, yes, and, yes. And one and one might ask, how? What? Like what? How is that possible? The, the caveat was that if demand in the U.S. was greater than production, retailers could go to horrific labor practice farms and, and factories and and buy goods. Yes. Um, but now that loophole's been closed. So Wendy's is, is buying all of its tomatoes, the majority of its tomatoes, from Mexico, from places where there's no enforceable labor standards, and you know where there very well may be children working in the field. They're going to have to change. Yes, I was just going to ask that now that uh, President Obama has gotten this uh, this new trade deal loophole closed. Doesn't Wendy's have to comply and stop buying from Mexico and other foreign places where, you know, the abuses against the workers, the harvesters? You know, one would think that they would, um, but number one, like an investigation against Wendy's, you know, might take years. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll get a fine. The fine might be like, I'm just guessing right now, it might be $5 million or $10 million. But that's nothing to a company like Wendy's, mm. which is, I think, why, why the CIW has been so effective, because they've gone to consumers and they've created an argument um, on the consumer level where consumers stop buying from certain places. Mm-hmm. And they've launched, they've launched a nationwide boycott against Wendy's. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Wendy's and you love their Frosties, you know, stop buying those damn Frosties and go to McDonald's instead. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's is part of the fair food program. I, you know, I was just going to say that. That's what uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily promote fast foods at all, especially not to myself. But if you're going to go to a fast food or any restaurant, grocery store, then go to one that supports the fair food program because they're not taking advantage of children and farms that uh, abuse uh, women and, and beat men, etc. We're going, to, we're going to take a break. We're talking to the director, Sanjay Rao. We're talking to the director of Food Chains, a documentary and produced by Eva Longoria and uh, narrated by Forrest Whitaker. I love him. I love him. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our guest and we're going to talk more about what we as individuals can do as well as what we can ask of our government. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Modern filmmakers have a whole wealth of tools at their disposal to make great art on the cheap, including the glorious one-stop app shop known as the iPhone. For proof that even the lowest of budgets can lead to amazing stories, look no further than Sean Baker's feature debut, Tangerine, one of the most inventive films of the digital era. Set in a seedy stretch of Hollywood, the film follows transgender prostitute Cindy Rella on her first day out of prison. When Cindy finds out from her best friend that her boyfriend cheated on her while she was in jail, she goes on a quest across the city to find the other woman and get some street justice. This shaggy dog story is funny, action-packed, heartbreaking, and even a little hopeful in a trashy way. Cindy is a hellion with a mouth that'd make a sailor blush, but she's also a scorned woman, and her complex portrayal by trans performer Kitana Kiki Rodriguez is one for the history books. Cindy and other denizens of the block she and her fellow sex workers roam are fully fleshed out in all their grimy glory by Baker and crew, who shot the film entirely on iPhones, adding to the film's gritty feel. Surprising in every way. Tangerine, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Stay connected to the Indie Film Minute by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter at Indie Film Minute, where you'll discover a whole world of film recommendations, movie news, and more. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today, Sanjay Raul. Sanjay is the director of the documentary Food Chains. If you are not aware of Food Chains, it's streaming on Netflix and Amazon and uh where, where else can we get it, uh, Sanjay? You can also get it on iTunes. iTunes, yes. Food Chains was produced by Eva Longoria, narrated by Forrest Whitaker, and directed by my guest today, Sanjay Raul. Food Chains is, is a great dramatic documentary, great filmmaking as well, and has promoted successfully the Fair Food Program, which is affecting... At the very least, it's educating Americans on how people who harvest the food that we eat that comes to our restaurants, fast food restaurants, our homes, uh, and, and when we get educated about how these people are treated and abused in so many ways, things we wouldn't even dream of uh, to submit ourselves to, it makes us, I hope, want to, to shop at only businesses that are... Uh, members of the Fair Food Program. Now, Wendy's is not. The big grocery store Publix in uh, mostly in Florida is not. These are people that are not caring, it seems, about how they get the food they sell. But we ask you to look into that. But I'd like to talk uh, a little bit at the moment about, I know you mentioned the Facilitation and Trade Enforcement Act of 2015 at President Obama assigned into law, and it removes a loophole to remind people maybe just joining us. It eliminates a loophole that allowed a big corporate food companies to basically buy food from farms in other countries where child labor laws don't exist and where the very things that we're trying to prevent in this country and the way uh, workers are treated were simply not respected. But we're talking about People who work on the farms, uh, uh, labor people, meatpacking, dairy, warehouse uh, uh, workers. Well, it's an issue we just, it's just, it's un-American. That's what it is. So Sanjay, let, let's talk a bit. I know we've said earlier, 
we want to make clear, and we want to talk more about immigration and your POV of immigration, but immigration is not just a political issue, which was sort of the way that President George W. Bush uh, approached it. It's an economic reality, especially in our food system, because as Sanjay told us in the last segment, if we remove, and dare I compare it, Sanjay, with um, American slaves, the, the people wonder about all oh, the great plantations, and the, that was because there was a free labor. And when you pull that out, the economy is affected. And I think we're sort of having the same situation here in the 21st century with migrant workers who are doing this work and being mistreated. You you mentioned you, it's like six million people are affected by this, or in our working in our food system. Is that correct, uh, Sanjay? Uh, undocumented farm workers. Uh-huh. Um, there's probably an additional 4 million undocumented workers that have some connection to the food system, um, either direct or indirectly, uh-huh. uh, through fast food, meatpacking, warehousing, so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, the conditions are, aren't, aren't horrific everywhere in this country, uh-huh. but my, uh, farm work is a spectrum. And on one end of the spectrum, is fair wages and fair treatment, like with the Fair Food Program. But in the same spectrum is sexual harassment, rape to an incredibly high degree, and the existence of modern-day slavery. Um, modern-day slavery means working under conditions of, of, of forced labor, where yes. you're where physical threat against you, you're not getting paid. Um, it's bondage. Mm. Um, and and imagine, imagine if you were going to become a lawyer Mm-hmm. Um, for example, nowhere in the spectrum of, of law work does there exist the possibility of being an indentured servant. Yes. Um, and, and fast food, nope. Um, and, you know, working as a cashier, nope. Mm. These are all hard, difficult jobs, but there's no threat ever, even a 1% chance of getting into a situation where you might become uh, a, 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 a a slave, literally, yes. Um, yes. a modern-day slave. But that that possibility exists in the United States in agriculture. It's incredibly hard to uncover, incredibly hard to prove. But in the 2000s, there was a, there were a number of cases exposed by the coalition of the Mockley workers of farms in Florida that were consciously utilizing the labor of people in bonded labor mm. um, and overseas that happens with impunity um, at least in, in the US you know there is some enforcement but overseas there's, there's very little enforcement and so this trade facilitation and trade embargo act that you mentioned closed an 85 year old loophole that allowed US companies to import goods under certain conditions but you know regu- regularly import goods that were trapped that were grown or harvested or manufactured by child labor or mm. trafficked individuals. Mm. And now that loophole has been closed. But we still have the issue of enforcement. So consumers just need to be a lot more conscious of where their food comes from, which was the, the kind of main theme behind food chains. Yes. And you, uh, you also mentioned former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She, what was her involvement or, uh, with Fair Food Program? How did she... What side does she fall on? 
serious point where just a couple of weeks ago, Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders issued a new five-minute ad titled Tenemos Familias, uh, which was broadcast during the Univision national televised national debate last week yes um that that video was based on the exploitation of farm workers in florida and actually utilizes about a minute of footage from my son Putin. yes um in in that video he highlights the issues that people at the bottom face and challenges americans uh to take those issues as our own and not to consider abuse um, as a product of not being documented. Yes. The fact that abuse exists in this country for any reason should be cause for alarm. Yes. Um, at, the same, at the same time, in 2008, then, as Senator Sanders took a trip to Immokalee to kind of to, to witness himself the conditions of farm workers and to meet people that had been liberated from literal, literal plantations. And this is 10 years ago. Yes. And he held a hearing in, in the Senate with the late Ted Kennedy and with the former Senator, or with Senator Dick Durbin, uh-huh. uh, to expose the prevalence of modern-day slavery in America's field. Secretary Clinton, to her credit, in 2010, presented the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, the State Department's kind of highest prize for people that were fighting against human trafficking. Yes. And the CIW, curiously, were the first and, and still only American-based group to be given that honor. Secretary Kerry, uh, in 2015, in January, at the White House, presented the CIW, the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, with yes. the Presidential Medal of Freedom for combating human trafficking. So the, the CIW's work for ensuring the rights of people within our borders is significant and it's been able to to really challenge a lot of people's thinking in into the conditions that many agricultural workers face still today in the united states yes and you know i'm glad you made the point because i have to say when i have conversations with you on radio about this entire situation I cringe just a little when I say undocumented because I'm afraid that when Americans hear the word, some Americans hear the word undocumented, they think, well, then why should we worry about them? Uh, but you, you really put it extremely well, both in your documentary, uh, Food Chains, but also in what you were just uh, giving me as an answer. And the point is, if these people are working here in America and providing an absolutely essential service to Americans. They are human beings, and they should not be treated as indentured servants or uh, uh, human trafficking, and certainly not modern-day or any kind of slaves, because I do think my analogy of slavery as we think of it before the Civil War, the danger for the workers in the fields that the undocumented migrant workers and the documented migrant workers who harvest our food, the danger is is that they are, as you say, modern-day slaves, and they will remain that unless we as Americans go, wait a minute, this is unacceptable. Clearly, Food Change, your documentary, goes a long way to in, to inform and to educate us and to, and to inspire us as as human beings to do the right thing, but I, I think um, I think it needs 
uh, a constant uh, feeding, a constant renewal of the information because, you know, Americans, I speak for myself too, we get busy, we get tied up in our lives and the convenience of our lives. And we're talking about what's more convenient in America than having food two and three and four times a day on your dining room table or family room or fast food in the neighborhood or, or you know, uh, grocery stores, there's everything. And we don't stop to think where it comes from. And that, I think, is what, if I may say so, Sanjay, that is what I think is the message and the power of your documentary, Food Chains. Is that what you're hoping? Is that what you're seeing as a, a response well, that, to? That, 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 that's a very kind assessment, Marcello. Uh, you know, uh, March 24th through March 21st, 31st, the 24th through the 31st is National Farm Worker Awareness Week. Uh -huh. um, and groups around the country are trying to raise awareness of, of the critical role that farm workers have and play in our food system. So, you know, in, in my movie Food Chains, um, again, available on, on Netflix, Amazon, and, and, and iTunes, you know, we have some great footage and, and really a, a very striking analysis just about immigration and agriculture. Like, forget about the political issue about immigration and construction or in, in other uh, jobs. This country's agricultural system has always relied on people from another country. Yes. We, we brought in millions of Africans to work in our agricultural system on large plantations. We brought in Chinese, Japanese, Haitians, uh, the Prestero program from northern Mexico in the, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and again in the 60s. You know, th these jobs have never really been targeted at Americans, except for a brief period in our history, the Dust Bowl history, yes. um, that John Steinbeck wrote about so eloquently in Grapes of Wrath. Apart from that 10-year period, there were never really, you know, a, a lot of Caucasians in the field. Yes. And primarily, I mean, there were, granted, there, there are families that have had that history, but the majority, the vast majority of workers in this field were from another country. So forget about, you know, housework, forget about hotel work, fast food. If you just look at agriculture, this system cannot exist yes. and would not exist and will not exist without low-wage labor. And so in this, labor has always been supplied by immigrants. Um, so how do we address that? You yes. know, we, we have to we have to address it. Yes. And and that is the overall question because it's hard sometimes to face the truth and to accept responsibility, but ultimately if we buy from people who take advantage of people, we're no better. Uh so we look for the, the the emblem of fair food program. That's certainly the very least that we can do. But how do we support this week of for the growers and harvesters? What do we do? Uh, do do we write our congressman? Do we make donations? Uh, do we attend? Tell us. Well, that, that's a, that's a great question. If you if you go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash food chains film, that's food chains with an S. Um, We'll be posting a lot of different actions that are going on around the country, actions that are, are, are raising money and, and charity drives for farm workers, as well as larger protests against companies like Wendy's mm -hmm. um, that have continued to deny the right of farm workers. Uh, there's plenty of ways to get involved, so go to facebook.com slash food chains film 
for more information. And the dates again of the week? March, it's March 24th through March 31st. Okay, March 24th through March 31st, but visit Facebook and find out what you can do. And what, I, I know we can only conjecture, but as you said, you did answer this, I know, about it will take time, you know, and there's so many corporations that are so big, make so much money, that they feel they can wait out the investigations and they can pay the fines because their shareholders really pay the fines, not them. We know that from bankers and Wall Street and and Goldman Sachs and all that. But back to Wendy's, just so we can remind people what Wendy's is potentially getting away with, despite the Facilitation and Trade Enforcement Act of 2015 signed into law by President Obama. Wendy's and Publix, but Wendy's in particular, are, is actually purposely buying food products from overseas where they, and how you treat the people who harvest the food is unregulated. It's unmonitored, uh, and it's a piece. It then creates a, a link in the food chain that is is modern slavery, and Wendy's knows that, and, and yet it's doing it. So we can't overemphasize. If you want fast food, eat somewhere else, not at Wendy's. Okay, I said it. All right, my guest today, director Sanjay Rao, of who directed the documentary Food Chains. I want to end on a really up note. Uh, as, as up as possible in an issue like this, but let's visit again briefly, if we could, Sanjay, the, it's like five or six minutes long, as you say, the ad of Bernie Sanders, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders running for the nomination, uh, Democratic nomination for president, along with, uh, of course, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, but um, this ad uh, on migrant workers that uses footage from your film, Food Chains, is a powerful thing. Where where can we see it? Where is it airing? This this uh, Bernie Sanders ad. I guess political ads are everywhere, but this one in particular. I watched it, and I'll tell you, it's just incredibly moving and informative. And as you say, he's been at this um, as has uh, Secretary Clinton uh, since you know for for years now. But tell us a little more about that ad and how we can see that to be encouraged to to go to your Facebook page. If you actually go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash food chain film, and you scroll down just a couple of posts, we have it on our Facebook page. Wonderful. Uh, so that's probably the easiest way to, to look it up. But more than uh, one and a half million people have viewed that ad in the last week. Wow. Well, I'm going to add it. I, I think I put it up, but I, I will double check. I'm going to add it on all my Facebook pages, and I will tweet it too. And I ask all of you listening Please add it to your Facebook page, uh, to visit Food Chain's Facebook page, and also uh, tweet and retweet it. Because I, I feel when Americans know about a problem, when they really, you know, again, we fly by so much because that's who we are. We're in the fast lane. But uh, when we slow down long enough and the information is given to us, Americans do the right thing, I believe. And that's what we're asking. We're asking you to do the right thing. Any final point you want to make for us, Sanjay, before we have to go? Anything that you absolutely want to leave us with, that last thought? Well, I, 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 this has been very kind of you, Marcello. I just want people to remember that March 24th through March 31st is National Farm Worker Awareness Week. There'll be many, many ways to, to, to participate in a nationwide roster 
of activities that will have a direct impact on the people um, without whom our food system would not exist. Yes. Uh, so people can visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash food change film, to learn more about how they can get involved. Fantastic. Thank you so very much. Sanjay Rao, the director of the documentary Food Chains, has been my guest today. Please look into this, everyone, and get involved in some way. Thank you so much, Sanjay, for being on the show. And we, we, of course, wish you all the very best. Thank you so very much, Marcello. My pleasure. Bye now. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Saigon must have been a beautiful place in 1951. It remains so in the memories of director Andung Tran, who recreated it in a French studio for his film The Scent of Green Papaya. This is a film of visceral beauty, a lush work of art that will excite all the senses. It takes little extra imagination to smell, to taste, and to feel the world of Mui, a servant girl who, as a young teen, comes into a family of uncertain fortune. This film doesn't require much plot to be a worthwhile journey. So magnificent is the simple beauty it has to offer. Mui finds her way into the center of a family to which she is indentured, and years later, finds her way to love in the world. More importantly, the film's artful message is clear. The world around us has so much to offer, we are foolish to allow distractions, small or large, to divert us from the appreciation of our blessings. The Scent of Green Papaya is a film to be enjoyed on a quiet evening, in a comfortable chair with the lights down low, in the mood to be satisfied by the simple pleasure of sumptuous beauty. Indie Film Minute, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the Reasonable Voices heard round the world. Corporate PACs Projecting Poison on Planet and People It's not necessary to be in love with a person to find some areas of agreement and the common experiences, like NSA spying victims, underemployment, unregulated Wall Street banker-caused recession, and our First Amendment of the United States Constitution guaranteeing all Americans the freedom to be stupid or informed, the freedom to be an inhumane bully or give a voice to the voiceless, the freedom to be a billionaire terrified of gullible consumers transforming into informed voters or to champion the unity and equality of human rights, civil rights, women's rights, and voting rights as one. Whether faith or politics, earth steward or climate denier, ostrich or profit, the needs of humanity, power grids, infrastructure, and the earth have reached a level of urgency with strict time limits, and those resisting an American renewable transformation tend to also be those against much of what is good for Earth and its human inhabitants. However, there is one universal mantra they chant, no matter how we vote, who we marry, no matter what color or gender we are, they're just not that into us. 
we don't matter to them. The world's population is consuming more food and water faster than the earth can produce it. And when supply and demand intersect the crossroad of scarcity, who do you think will be the first served life-giving water? And who, left to die fighting in the streets over an aluminum can of artificial sweeteners? The connection between California drought and an ocean encroaching on Florida beaches is clarity. Climate change denying is energy apartheid. And with our ballots, we must unite against governors, state legislators, and Congress for being unfit to govern. Want to occupy something? Occupy this. 1. Even Bangladesh is installing solar panels at the rate of 70000 a month. 2. Fracking and Keystone Pipeline have united cowboys with Indians and farmers with ranchers against both. 3. Americans use more energy between midnight New Year's Eve and noon on January 2nd than the continent of Africa uses in a year. The World Health Organization reports there is massive migration in the Pacific as people race against death by climate injustice. But Western corporations create new climate refugees every day. Who is it that insists oil dependency and fossil fuels are better for America's financial, physical, and mental health than farmers and communities creating their own renewable free energy from corn cobs and running it on batteries? Who is denying our weather has changed dramatically for millions of Americans, and global warming, whether due to climate change or not, will enslave our next generations, if not deny them their very existence? Who's fighting against the Clean Power Plan, an extension of the Clean Air Act, and why? Historically, America's energy sources have evolved. Wood to coal to oil, natural gas, nuclear power. Why not in the 21st century take the next logical step to solar and wind energy? Answer. Fortunes will shift from Wall Street boardrooms to Main Street rooftops, and corporatism's cokeheads are petrified at the potential loss of their power over us. This not patriotic fervor, is why billionaires like Norman Brahman and Sheldon Adelson spend tens of millions of their free speech to squelch our free elections. Now, hold these truths to be self-evident. A. In revenge for the 1960s civil rights movement, we've inherited inequity in housing, incarceration, and food deserts. What do you think those born in 2001 will inherit? B. There are fewer gangsters on our streets than in the suites on the street. C. All our social and financial issues erupt from our insatiable rape of earth, water, air, and food chains. If keeping a job is so important you'd continue to work for the very company polluting your family's drinking water, then consider the employment opportunities available to us if instead of investing tax dollars in corporate welfare for recession-creating too-big-to-fail megabanks, we the people invested in transforming America into a social energy-powered superpower, controlled by local communities instead of corporatism determined to dominate government 
government at all levels and puppet string 99.9% of all Americans, regardless of whether you are a Republican, a Libertarian, a Democrat, an Independent, whatever. The most essential advocacy for Americans in 2015 is to connect the dots connecting us. For truly, all roads, pinched prosperity place, police state street, gun violence highway, mass incarceration avenue, voter intimidation interstate, and bullies boulevard, all lead to disappearing Florida, Midwest tornado destruction, and California drought. Around and around we go, and where we stop, nobody knows, on the climate injustice beltway. Our solutions for social, financial, and employment challenges begin with our ceasing our denial of climate change. For the cry of Mother Earth is increasingly urgent, and it will be too late if we leave it to our grandchildren to dry her tears. Joining an all-inclusive climate advocacy, we can recharge America and power up all Americans. Visit www peopledemandingaction.org and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.